Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday, March 1st. Welcome to Great Quarter Gals and happy first day of Women's History Month. I'm your host, Kaylee Nix, joined by my lovely co-host, Grace Sharkey. Grace, I'd be amiss if I didn't wish you a happy Women's History Month as well. Well, welcome back and happy uh, Women's History Month to you, too. <laughs> it's great to be back. I loved watching Great Quarter Grace last week, but, you know, you can't split the Great Quarter Gals up for too long, right? <laughs> No, definitely not. And it was it was a lot of work, I will say. So I enjoyed splitting the, the work with you, if not the time. So, I, you know, you have this beautiful tan, though, and that's a little frustrating, too. So You know, it was it rained the entire time I was gone in Chattanooga. So coming back to a little bit of sunshine after being in the sun for seven days was just absolutely great. But we're back now. It's great to be back. And we've got a good show today talking about knowing when to grow. And this is I think a pretty exciting topic for us to touch on today. Oh, definitely. And especially we move into Women's History Month. I think this is one of the biggest areas and concerns with, with most women in business, not just our industry, but I'd say across the board. So uh, perfect topic for us to dive into. Absolutely. I think when we talk a lot about female presence in business as well, part of the struggle of knowing when to grow is how do I ask myself for growth or how do I ask my managers, my superiors for growth, whether that's in my job description or my responsibilities or my salary expectations. How do you know when to talk to them about this or even how to ask or what you should be asking for? And it takes strong female leadership, like some of the people that we're going to be talking about in two today, to really provide that example for maybe women who are just starting out in the industry or who aren't super sure, for them to be able to stand up and say, you know what, they did it, so I can do it too. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of fun tips we'll learn from these individuals. Um, so even how to apply this into freight tech and growing and scaling businesses. So um, yeah, we're going to dive all into it today, that's for sure. Let's do it. So I think during each week of Women's History Month, we're going to kind of feature an awesome woman in freight history or someone who's making waves right now. And today we're going to feature Kendra Tucker, who is the newly crowned CEO of truckstop.com. She'll take over duties officially on April 1st. And Kendra is someone that I've watched through my year and a half in, in the industry now and watched what she's done at Truckstop, which of course we know is an invaluable resource to the freight industry and watch her grow from joining the company as chief revenue officer to now CEO in less than a span of two years. And seeing a woman make that jump is super, super inspiring. And she has a lot to say when it comes about her personal growth, as well as what now her goals are for growing Truck Stop as a company. Yeah. And, you know, what I'm really excited to see from her growth is just how she's able to scale this business and really get everyone on board at truckstop.com on, on moving the business forward. With Kendra's past history, a lot of it has been involved more in the investment side of things. So it's it's hard culture-wise to come in from that level and say, hey, this is where I think we should grow this company. This is where I think we should invest time. This is where we where we need to cut certain projects. And, and maybe this is where we just need to, to cut a whole piece off in total. So it's going to be fun to see, I think the next year or two, what she's able to do. I think, honestly, I'm really, I was really excited to see this news. It's news I was hoping to kind of see soon. And being a user of different types of services, truckstack.com has really been a great asset. I think moving originally back when it first started this industry into some type of technological revolution, 
But unfortunately, I think it has been skipped in certain areas when it comes to features. And if you guys read the really incredible article by John Kingston on Freightways.com, he dives into this and to a couple of areas that even Kendra knows and highlights are issues and areas that need to be fixed, need to be solved. Uh, one big great thing when you look at freight tech uh, revolutionaries or even tech revolution, revolutionaries in general is it's never about being perfect. It's always about making sure that you're the first to the table with a certain product. I think that there's a lot of areas where TruckStop is a little behind on those offerings. She brings up um, a little bit of the factoring pieces, not being fully integrated a lot of their rmis not being fully integrated um you know that's it's sad to see that that hasn't happened yet but what's really great to see is that she's on board with it and she needs that she knows that it needs to move forward and move forward quickly the one specific area that honestly like made me breathe for the how truck stop is going to grow is she brings up this topic of hot shots mm -hmm. and as a user of the system it's it's not very well integrated into transportation management systems and other systems that you would use to post loads or to work on the load board uh, as a broker. It's not integrated well for those type of loads. A lot of times what you would do is you either um, post them as like a partial as a flatbed or a partial as a uh, van. And then you would also do hot shots. But a lot of times the hot shots were actually like, um, the flatbed type of hot shots, not um, a short truck, right? So it's the fact that someone in her role um, already understands that problem is just, it's very captivating and very, very eye-opening to see what she's going to solve. And I think, I just think they're going to have a really tremendous couple of years of catch up and I'm excited to see them grow and, and see how she handles it in general. And the last thing that I'll say about this is that it was interesting to note that in the article that she said the really big space for growth is in that integration space. Truckstop.com has made several acquisitions. They've got several different pieces that are kind of fragmented in the industry. And she said that her goal is to get all of those integrated together. And despite that fragmentation, Truckstop.com has been a profitable company every year that it's existed and has seen several years of double digit growth. So for her to pinpoint that issue of fragmentation as being the space where they have to grow, but still be seeing profits every single year is just icing on the cake. Great job and excited to see where she's gonna take the leadership. Definitely. They've got carriers um, trust, I will say that. Mm -hmm. They've got all the necessary data and, and integrations and acquisitions in front of them that they've already done. I think it's just about putting in action. And she seems like the type of individual that's going to make that happen. So, of course, this is Great Quarter Gals, so we feature all of our amazing women in freight. And we want to touch on a little bit of a report from Gartner Research, who just came out with a statistic and a survey saying that women now make up 41% of the supply chain workforce, which is a growth of about 2% from 2020. So positive in direction. We'd love to see more numbers. And this chart from Gartner right now, while we love to see 41% representation overall in supply chain, this kind of still shows that there's a lot of disparity when it comes to women in supply chain leadership roles, specifically on that executive and CEO and C-suite side of things. So moving from left to right, that C-suite's on that right side. Every category saw growth in women's participation in supply chain roles from 2020 to 2021, besides that C-suite exec range where we actually saw a little bit of loss in percentage from people leaving the area. So Grace, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Obviously, we've got more women entering the industry, more women taking on these challenging roles, but a lot of women entering at the entry level or mid-level management. 
Yeah, I think that right there shows you a couple things that one, I think that women can do a better job of asking for those roles, putting a step forward and saying, hey, this is something that I want and confidently um, help getting with their mentors and, and other individuals of the company to have that known. Two, it needs to be a pull from the other side. Now, I, I fortunately grew up with a overly loud, spontaneous mother who, who wants something, she gets it done. And trust me, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> not everyone is raised. <laughs> yeah, that's how it makes sense, right? Um, that's not how everyone is raised. And I think that's something I've learned in my leadership is that, and this can go even male, female, that a lot of times when you're not raised in households that you know, have pushed themselves into those executive roles who know how to ask for these roles or know how, what it takes to get these roles. Um, people just don't ask for it. They don't think that they deserve them. So mm -hmm. I think really we need to see a lot of those executives sit in these rooms and say, you know what, this person has done an incredible job. It's a huge investment for this company. We need to see her get promoted up to this level and, and tell her that. Give her that feedback. You know, we always talk about how to how do you how do you give negative feedback in a, in a positive way? Well, sometimes I think people really lack giving positive feedback and making sure that people know that they're doing really good at a job. So this is when I read this, I wasn't surprised by it. I think this is something you probably see common across all industries. So in this Gartner survey, over half the respondents said that they struggle the most with keeping women in their roles who are at this mid-career level space. And I totally get that. You know, you settled, you settled into a role. Maybe you've gotten one promotion, two promotions, maybe a handful of raises. Maybe you're managing a small team. But you're sitting there and you're wondering, why aren't I doing more? Or where can I do more? Where are my opportunities for growth? And instead of seeing those opportunities where you're at and looking at the green grass that you've sowed underneath your feet, then you start looking looking for outside opportunities, right? I find, I find myself doing this, especially as someone who's still pretty early in my career when I look at it and I'm like, oh, I'm barely four years out of college, you know? Still in this early career phase. And I think it is hard as women for us who are pushed all the time to always be improving and always be looking for the next best thing and make yourself better to enjoy kind of the fruits of our labor where we're at. And so I think that it was interesting that Gartner brought up that point, that the retention for women in their mid-career spots is, is very, a very hard point for these employers. What do you think that employers could do to kind of make it more attractive to keep those mid-career level women in the spots that they're in, whether that's providing that positive feedback, like you said, or maybe showing them the growth opportunities that they have right at home? I think one huge area is just showing them uh, other ways to provide value, you know, whether it's through mentorship, right? Like giving them mentors that are entry-level employees that are, are looking to be in the role that they're in. Because, it, you know, it's, it's so funny. I think you're right. A lot of people think there's two types of women. There's the women that they want to be the CEO. They want to run it all. Or there's the women that want to stay entry level and, and unfortunately kind of get wrapped into that family type of like scenario that they think that they want. And it's it's not. A lot of people just want to, you know, maybe be a VP of sales and, and rock that role. So give them something else of value. Let them start female leadership clubs within the company. Let them be in charge of um, your diversity uh, initiatives. Let them be 
let them maybe if they have a hobby, like let them showcase that within the business. Um, do like a hobby night where people just come in and share what they like to do outside of work. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> work isn't just everyone's full lives. Uh, trust me, I'm the opposite of that. So I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've had to tell myself not everyone just loves making podcasts days and days and days and days out. Um, so don't think that way, psycho. But it's 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 important for people to realize that there's other ways for people to show value that's not just continuously progressing their career. Um, and that's okay to stay in that spot sometimes. I love that point that you bring up about people understanding that your employee is more valuable than just the job that they do for you in the, inside the four walls of your office. And I think that a lot of times, especially as someone who was raised like you, I've got this big boisterous personality, you know, I am who I am, I like what I like, I say what I say. I think that it's, it's easy for me and you to stand up here and to say like, yeah, you know, we make our place known, we bring our personality to the table. But for a lot of women, they, they get told, you know, make yourself smaller and shrink into the backside of your workplace and don't make waves and don't make changes. And this is kind of just like how the traditional feminine values in a workplace were established. But it takes people like Kendra Tucker and it keeps, takes people like you to stand up and to say, you know what, we're going to be this voice for change and show women that it's okay to exist in your entire capacity in the workforce, whether that's yourself advocating for being a C-suite level exec and starting a family and running a side hustle, or whether that's you taking on a mid-level, man, mid-level management role and just mentoring a couple of people as they enter your business. Exactly. None of those are wrong and none of those are right. And that's that's the fun part about this job and then the fun part about this world. <laughs> so the last thing from this Gartner report that I wanted to touch on really fast is the, the diversity and inclusion initiatives. And we know that this is something that most companies now, if you don't have a DEI initiative right now, you are well behind the curve. 73% of supply chain organizations have set those d- diversity and inclusion goals. They've put them on paper, they've established them and made them really real and really relevant. And a huge majority of those groups specifically are targeting women in their DEI initiatives, which is huge, especially in the freight industry, because as we know, traditionally it's been a male-dominated role. And part of what we do here at GQG is uh, showcasing that it's cool for gals to get into it too. So these diversity and inclusion initiatives are goals that should, just like any other business goals, be put on paper, be actionable, and be measurable, right? Yes, uh, measurable. I think is a huge part. We are we actually have a guest that we'll highlight later on today that we have coming on next week, who is a part of a lot of these big initiatives. And that is her number one thing: is make sure that you're actually one creating some type of scale, right? And and two, where do you want to get to? It's not just about okay, where can how can we measure this? Like, what is the outcome that we're looking for? Because like I. I Clearly, like, we don't want 100% all females everywhere only, right? Like, that's not, just kidding. No, no, um, that's not the goal here. <laughs> so it's it's about what, why do you want this? Where do you want this to go? And what's the outcome that you want to achieve, right? Like, do you want to see um, 
more females with families in certain roles? Do you want to see um, more diversity within certain roles? And, and, and why, why is that important to you? What outcome is going to come of that? And make sure that outcome is coming out of it as well. So, sometimes I get nervous that DEI initiatives are all number space, but aren't really serving a purpose to the communities that they're really a part of, and especially like the grassroots communities around these companies. So, you know, make sure that you're, you're actually providing some good to the outside world, not just something that you can report to publicly or privately to showcase for the rest of the world to, to get an A plus and, and something that doesn't even change anything. Steps for that. I love that. Grace, you mentioned the word guest, so let's get into our guest for today. We have Ab Abby Haffenbrettle. She's the vice president of sales at Sage Freight, a freight brokerage startup out of Franklin, Tennessee. Abby, thank you for being with us today. It's great to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. So our title of the episode today is Know When to Grow, and you've just undergone some big growth within your company. Let's talk a little bit about your role at Sage Freight and the development that you've seen recently. Yeah, so I just joined Sage Freight here in December, um, but I've already worked with everybody here on the team in the past at my old company, Calvary Logistics. So it was an easy transition to be able to have the trust and the support that I needed um, to be able to come to a new company as a VP of sales. As a lot of you guys know, being a VP of sales, especially in this type of industry, comes with a lot of preconceived notions. And it's not the easiest um, place to maneuver as far as how to keep the professionalism and that professionalism and that professionalism and that drive consistent with the industry. So I have definitely noticed a lot more female joining the logistics. logistics. Oh, we're getting a little bit of that. <laughs> I think we lost it for just a second, but we've got your video, Abby. So I think I think we're I think you're here. <laughs> All right, let's see. We got technical difficulties going today. It's fine. It totally happens. Abby, are you there? Can we hear you? Okay. I think we've got. I think you've got yourself muted on your computer. We still can't hear Abby, but that's okay. It's it's you oh, know. No. There we go. We got it. We're good. You got me. Okay. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> okay. All right. So video and and. Mike, we're good. Video and Mike, we're good. We're good. So thank you for working with us through those technical difficulties. And as we were talking about, you know, professionalism in this area, obviously things like this require our professionalism as well. So we're glad to finally have you on. And let's chat just a little bit like what we were talking about. You made this leap from director to VP and those comes with, comes with challenges and it comes with a brand new title, which takes a lot out of you. So let's talk a little bit about that leap. Yeah, you know, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. And although it didn't work out at the previous company I was with as a director, I learned a lot from the experiences that I went through and how to keep that professional nature when you're going through potentially tough challenges. Um, going from director to VP, you know, the titles don't mean a ton to me, to be completely honest. Um, I think as long as you are just giving everything you can and making sure that you give the company the name that, that you want 
it to be shown as, um, then I think the VP title doesn't necessarily matter. Um, I do get a lot of people in the industry that say, oh, you're a VP, you know, fancy, you got a new fancy title. And it's nothing like that. You know, it's the same, it's the same, same thing, just making sure that we're a company of character and that I'm representing Sage Freight that I would like to them to be seen to others. Uh so let's dive into sales in general. Um, you know, yeah. you've been in sales since 2016. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. Like it's, um, it's sales in this industry is very interesting. There's different ways to go about that. There's different outcomes. There's different um, ways that you can train individuals to go into it. What is it like now in sales within freight? Is it um, it, is it even possible to get get away with a hi? I'm so and so calling from this, it, or is it completely different now that technology is infused so much into this industry? Yeah, as well. Well, when it comes to face to face meetings, um, those are very few and far between. I will say I've been on a couple trips so far this year, and majority of those meetings end up being in a coffee shop, or I've even gone to breakfast. Um. And, you know, obviously with COVID and everything going on, most meetings will take place over Zoom. Um, And when they do take place, I've noticed that a lot of the time the customers aren't necessarily even concerned about talking business. They're more, I would say more, um, they're wanting a personal relationship more than ever. Um, So they really want to know who you are as a person and who do you represent as far as your beliefs and values. And then maybe, you know, you might talk business a little bit, but it's, it's definitely night and day from when I started in sales where you make a hundred voicemails and you send a hundred emails just trying to get a response. Now it's a little more of, all right, you know, we'll have a conversation. Let's first figure out what, what shared beliefs and values we might have. And if our companies make sense to work together and then we'll go from there. Um, and then on top of that, I'll say just to be able to get the, if someone open the email um, or open their phone, you have to be a little bit more creative. So we here have tried to do, you know, as you may see some videos, we've tried to make it fun. We try to make it look like we're having fun at work because we are, and we want companies that want to work with us because of the fun we're having and that we have a good culture and uh, hopefully companies will be a little more likely to want to have a conversation because of that. So that personal touch is something that I think sales has kind of gone through this evolution, right? If you think about the good old days of traveling salesmen, they had to be good looking and personable (laughs) and shake hands. And it was all about the dinner meeting and being well-dressed. And then we went through this kind of stressful transition where sales was all about hit the phones, hit the emails, hit the numbers, sales, sell, sell, right? And if COVID taught us one thing, it's that this personal connection is more valuable, I think, than it ever has been before. But it's gone from almost the caricature version of it to, no, we want to know that there is truly genuine human interaction behind the business that we're doing. Because at the end of the day, the money that we do and the business that we do impacts people's lives. And it's not just a dollar sign in a bank account, and it's not just a dollar sign on an invoice that you sign off of, right? So let's talk a little bit about your relationship building with your customers then using that idea behind sales now and how that can help strengthen relationships both on a shipper side and on a carrier side as a broker. 
Yeah, well, I think the number one thing when you're wanting to build a relationship with a, with a customer is that they understand that you both are working together to create a solution for a larger problem. Once you have that initial foundation, um, then I think it's easier to build off of how you can both work together to create a solution. Uh, and that always starts with trust. So I always look at relationships over opportunity. You know, I've had some core relationships that I've kept on, kept hold of throughout the years and I may never get an opportunity, you know, and, but someday I might. And that whole thing for me is, it's just like any relationship you have with a friend or a relative, um, you need that trust and that foundation in order to build a rest of a relationship. Once you have that, then they're not going to worry if the rates you're providing are high because you're trying to make a ton of money off of them. Or, you know, they're not going to wonder if, is this truck really broken down or are you just giving me lie after lie after lie? So cultivating that relationship on the front end, I think, is so important. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of companies miss out on because they just want the transactional, you know, give us a freight, we'll give you this, we'll do this, do this. But it needs to be that give and take on both ends. Yeah, you know, it's so funny that you bring that up because I think the more that we get into technology and the more we start integrating technology into brokerages, that right there, the the emotional side, being able to build a relationship and hold a relationship and grow a relationship is what is going to be the most important for, for shippers. Like, yeah, I know there's a robot like doing the things in the background, making sure nothing's getting broken and things are on time. But when you're my logistics provider, I want you to be almost a twin of me and know who the person is behind the phone. So, you know, when I, when I do write about tech, it's good to see that companies are implementing the human somewhere in that because that, that can't go away. Uh, there needs to be someone there that makes those kind of emotional decisions and, you know, Kayla, you were talking about earlier um, about the rise of, of females within the industry. You know, it's a common trend for women to be more emotional and, and better at building relationships. So I'm almost not surprised to see that there is a rise in females within the industry. And I guess for, for you, Abby, um, what's it like guiding a sales floor um, and, and teaching maybe people who aren't um, I mean, let's be real. The average, the average person coming to a sales job in a brokerage is usually somewhere between 20 and, and 25, just learning how to build their own uh, relationships outside of their family. How do you go about training them of building a relationship with a customer? I think the first thing a new salesperson needs to realize when they're coming in is that a sale is not going to happen overnight. You know, it's funny talking to non-logistics people because they'll be like, oh, how many customers did you land today? And it's like, it, it's not quite like that. It's a pipeline and it's you have to cultivate a relationship in order for a sales transaction to happen. And sometimes that may take a couple of weeks. Sometimes it may take, you know, years. Um, so just really understanding that will help you not to have such a pressured salesy environment in my mind. Uh, we have 
done a lot with reading books. You know, um, Sales EQ is one of my favorite books to go to when we're thinking about basically how to create that human interaction. So it doesn't just apply to sales. It applies to, you know, any relationships you're trying to build in your life, but how to make the other person feel comfortable and how to kind of mirror what they're doing, just different tactics like that will work if you're not able to have that like um, fluidity as you would as some of us that have, I guess, been in the industry for a while or been, been in meetings, uh, that sort of thing. But honestly, I don't, I never see. I think we lost her again. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. I think that we lost Abby for, for good for this one. But Grace, I I love the point that you were making. And I was going to follow that up with kind of asking her a question about gender bias in the industry, specifically with on the Sprite sales floor and how, as I mentioned before, sales was kind of seen as this traditionally male caricature. And now if, if there's still any of that implicit or even sometimes explicit gender bias on the sales floor. Do you, do you see, see that? And did you see that in your brokerage days? Yes. Um, bluntly, yes. And I think most <laughs> women, um, and honestly, most men would say yes. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny because you, you start growing a culture of women that it's, you know, you're, saying, and you don't even, you're like my mom, you're like my work sister, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I will say is that a lot of times what you start to see happen is a lot of these women take really strong operational roles. And what happens is, and that's why I wanted to bring up the emotional side of things, is um, a relationship is not just about communicating good, but communicating bad. And so a lot of times what you'd find is that when something went wrong, a lot of the times uh, men will kind of they don't really push it, but they ask for help from the women around them of how to communicate that problem to their customer, how to get past that hurdle. Um, Because it's just something that is not as developed in a lot of the ages that these people are taking these roles. So that's something I think I was going to touch on. It's like, it's that EQ is, is so important because you need to make sure that you can provide a customer, not just, um, a good experience in good times with a good experience in bad times. And guess what? No customer cares if it delivered on time. That was the point of your job. Like, you know, like that good. That was like what I hired you to do. But they want where you really win on service is when things go wrong and you handle it strong and you admit the faults where faults are and you move on and you explain the path of moving forward. And that is a lot more than just trying to teach someone um, always be closing. Right. Right. (laughs) So I think. I, I think we're going to see more um, women in these roles. I think when we talked earlier about what are, what are the outcomes that you want to see as you start these DEI initiatives, one is, you know, how long are you retaining customers? Because I guarantee that's probably one thing you're going to see is longer relationships, longer and, and probably um, as the customer is with you longer, more business is sent to you, right? So um, I just, I'm really excited to see surveys like Gardner 10 years from now, especially through technology, because the human aspect, the robot's not going to have the emotion behind it. That's where, that's where we're going to come in. And so, yeah, go ladies. 
They're just emotional rags. <laughs> I wouldn't call us emotional rags. But Abby, okay, we've got Abby back. And so Abby, I'm gonna ask you this question that I just asked Grace, because we were we were hitting on getting into the emotions of sales and using obviously emotional appeal is a sales tactic just as much as it's a journalism tactic and it and a tactic for media consumption as well. But I wanted to ask your opinions on gender bias in the industry right now and if you still see in either implicit or explicit gender bias when it comes to the standard for what a broker should be or the standard for what a good person sale a good salesperson should be. Is is there a bias that tends to fall on the spectrum more of being the hard, cold, emotional side of what is traditionally thought as masculine tendencies or as being the soft, welcome, emotional side of what are traditionally thought of as feminine tendencies? tendencies? You know, I will say um, I think we're making leaps and bounds. Um, I do think we're still very far in the past as far as how our industry as a whole is and how masculine we are. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, would say, I would say a lot of a lot of the males I I have interacted with, uh, not necessarily worked with, um, because these guys are all great. <laughs> but a lot of the males do, you know, it, emotions scare them, and vulnerability and having empathy, and that is not necessarily always their go-to, and so they want to you know, a lot of the male masculine energies are still very prevalent in our industry. And especially when it comes to ego. Um, and I say that because I was just at food shippers and you put 1400 people, uh, primarily males in a room together, then give them a couple drinks and holy cow. Uh, yeah, you can, you can, it's very masculine. Let's just say that. <laughs> If it makes you feel better, Abby, I and give the exact same thing. <laughs> and so when it comes to overcoming that, it can be an intimidating space for a woman to walk into and knowing that you're going into a sales floor with this preconceived notion of I have to act tough. I have to be my manly self. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of like the Mulan tendency, right? Like she cuts off her hair. She acts like a man. She learns to spit like a man, all of that stuff. It can, it can be intimidating. And even in 2022, you still can feel that pressure to walk into the sales floor on your first day and say, you know what? No, I'm going to be tough and I'm going to take no nothing from anybody. And I'm going to act like a man would in my role because that's the way to be successful. But women like yourself in leadership positions prove that that doesn't have to be the case. What type of advice would you offer to ladies who are either looking to enter a leadership role on a sales floor, even enter a sales floor at an entry level for the very first time? Oh man, I have so much advice for this because I was in that position and I didn't have anybody to really go to. Um, I would say the number one thing is definitely find a mentor or enter some sort of mentorship program to help other females um, help navigate you through that. The second I'd say stick to your guns and don't falter on your core values and core beliefs because I do know a lot of the females in our industry get a bad reputation and their perception is not great because of whatever, you know, how they may come off to other men. Um, and unfortunately, as women, that's one thing we have to be very, very careful about is how we are coming off to other people. Um, I, so the, 
So also I would say make sure that you stay connected, stay relevant. You know, just as a guy could say, oh, you don't know as much, they could say that about you as well. So you need to be on the level that everybody else is as well. And you don't want to take any handouts just because you're a female. Um, I, yeah, I guess that those would be my main points. Also, don't be afraid to fail as a female coming into the industry, you're going to do things wrong. And that's only going to give you more experience for when you're moving on past that. And I think I froze Uh, again. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no, you're good. You know, great answers Uh, for you. (laughs) <laughs> who are your who are your idols in the industry? Who do you look up to in in transportation and and who has inspired you to get to where you are today? Um, you know, obviously you guys are are huge. Anybody on Freight Waves, anybody that's really putting out a lot of content on LinkedIn, you know, Mad Gaines, we're all friends of hers. Just strong female leaders. Um, but I will say my last job uh, the owner asked me where, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up basically? (laughs) And I said, I want to be the next Shelly Simpson. And that's because I see her as me eventually. Um, like, you know, like I feel like she's one of the most respected women in our industry. And she got that way by standing her ground and not letting, you know, men sway her one way or the other and knowing her, her stuff. I almost said swear word (laughs) and knowing her stuff. So (laughs) I'm actually in the process of hopefully getting her as my mentor, uh, fingers crossed. But yeah, uh, like I said, um, it's just a, you know, we have to support each other and we have to be strong. And I think the more we see other people speak out and just drop some knowledge as Grace likes to call it, um, I think the more women will want to get involved in our industry and feel comfortable getting going into a role such as VP of, of sales. Shelly Simpson is one of the ladies that is like on our bucket list of guests. So if she's watching this, Shelly, come give Abby a mentorship. Come yeah, talk be. to us on Great Quarter Gals. We'll, we'll make it a big old thing. But I love that. Yeah. And, and the idea of strong female leadership is exactly what we hope to highlight on shows like this and put out content like this. Because you're looking at the gal who's coming out of college for the first time with a supply chain management degree in one hand and a job offer in the other and saying, oh, my God, who can teach me this? And it's people like you in the industry. It's people like Shelly. It's people like Grace who are putting themselves out there and saying, you know what, I'm afraid to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. So kudos to that. And I'll say one of my favorite, um, what am I trying to say, compliments I get is when a guy comes up to me and says, wow, you actually know your stuff. I love that. I love uh, being a person that people don't expect me to know anything because it's like, yeah, you know, I do. do. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? (laughs) I know just as much as you do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Abby, for being on with us today. I think that you are an incredible um, person to look at in terms of just growth in this industry and and what's able to uh, be overcome. And yeah, and and just taking risk. And uh, yeah, I will send that Shelly Simpson energy as well. That would be a perfect (laughs) mentor for 
for you. And you'll get Shelly. I'll get Carol. You can have Lily, uh, <laughs> Kaylee, and then we'll just all have the best female role models in this industry. <laughs> it, it'll be great. Abby, thank you for yes. fighting through the technical difficulties. And it was great to finally get to, to chat with you. Awesome. Hopefully half of that came through. I feel like I was frozen for about a quarter of this interview, but <laughs> hopefully we made it. it through a little bit. We'll just have to do it again next time. Thank you, Abby, again. Exactly. Right. Thanks, guys. Man, Grace, we're, you know, we're just building this list deeper and deeper. And so obviously Shelly's a big one. Obviously Lily Shen is a big one. And this is, I think, the perfect time to just go ahead and tease out that we have landed Lily Shen as a guest. And we are so yes, excited to have yeah. this. And I know that you are so excited. So talk, let's talk a little bit about it as a teaser for our episode in two weeks. Yes, so Lily will be on with us in two weeks to talk about Transfix's recent earnings, what the company is working on currently, what offerings they have going on, and just for us to, of course, fangirl with her as usual, um, so, which is so perfect because Andrew always got his interviews with her. And so it's just great that now we get it too. Um, and then, of course, the week prior to that, so next Tuesday, is International Women's Day. And we have a full hour-long episode for that we will have our own cassandra Gaines on who um you guys know her from mad Gaines. she is going to be talking about her time here um in the industry but specifically she is now a freight freight tech uh, owner and has created her mm -hmm. own software system and she just wants to keep it buried but she finally got it out in the open and i told her she's we got to be the first show she shows it on so she'll on, be on here for that and then after her we'll have one of my favorite interviewees uh laquinta jacobs uh who's actually the chief diversity officer for uh xpo and she is just one of the most humble nice human beings you've ever met and i think she's probably the perfect person for us to have on for International Women's Day, especially for such a big international company that they are. So we've got a couple of really fun weeks and we're already starting to book into April. So I'm just really proud of uh, today. We had some tough conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really great and that we've just created a space where we can bring these women on and talk about things that are happening and grow from them. That's what this is about. So that means that Shelly Simpson, if you're seeing this, we can we can slide you in starting in April. Yes. Yes. Sooner. So, we'll make it work. <laughs> absolutely. So, Grace, I know that we're super excited for what's coming up next week for Great Quarter Gals, but you've also got Point of Sale coming out tomorrow as well. Let's get a little teaser before we are done here for the day. Yeah, so um, I'm talking with Rhodey tomorrow. So that is going to be a fun one that um, it's funny to bring up Andrew again. He helped me get connected with um, talking about last mile services, um, preparing those for retailers in general. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited because they're one I've been working with for a couple months now and getting on the show. So um, I'm happy to finally get them on there and, and showcase what, what they're doing for the industry. Super exciting, and you can catch Point of Sale live here on FreightWaves TV tomorrow afternoon after What the Trek. Of course, go subscribe to that Point of Sale newsletter as well. It's easy as like two clicks, and then you get Point of Sale, get loaded and rolling. You can check, call, you get all of our FreightWaves newsletters here, so absolutely go do that. Love it.
<laughs> Kaylee, where can we hear more from you? <laughs> so you can catch me every weekday morning, 9 to 11, hosting Freight Waves Now with one of my many comrades, normally Anthony Smith, sometimes Michael Vincent, sometimes Kevin Hill jumps in, you know, if we're feeling a little spicy. Um, you can catch me at your doorstep as well on Tuesday afternoons. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at KayleeNixWX, and my LinkedIn community is growing by like a dozen every day. I love to see it, so keep adding me on LinkedIn. I will like all of your stuff. <laughs> yeah, and for everyone, too, we're back up to uh, loading our shows on YouTube. So feel free to check those out, like, comment, let us know what you guys like to see more, um, and we'll make sure that we go through those and then take your guys' feedback as well. See you next week. One, two, three, ho! Oh! Oh, 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 oh,